Welcome to the Steady On Podcast, where God's hard truth meets your hard story. I'm Angie Bauman, and this is episode 113, Finding Discipleship. And along with me today is my new ministry friend, Courtney Lohman. Courtney radiates joy. She is passionate about serving women and helping them become more inspired in their walk with God through actively seeking discipling relationships. At the time we recorded this episode, I was in the process of creating an internship for Steady On Ministry. And while doing that work, I was and still am serving as an intern on the Kathy Lip ministry team. As I talked with Courtney, I thought about those roles in my life and how they parallel to this discussion on discipleship. I believe God calls us to be mentored and mentor simultaneously. As we learn from him, we are invited to create room in our lives to share. And as we journey into new places, we are encouraged to create room in our lives to learn from others a little further ahead of us. Our verse for this episode is found in 2 Timothy 2.2. Paul is talking to Timothy here and says, And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. That's the NIV. If you desire to deepen your relationship with Christ, discipling and being discipled are essential. In this conversation, you will hear practical steps on things that you can do to be a discipler and or to find a discipler. And please know as you listen, all the steps and resources that Courtney is going to talk about can be found in a beautiful download linked in today's show notes. Let's listen in. Hey, Steady On community, welcome into this podcast episode. I'm Angie Bauman, and with me today is a new ministry friend of mine, Courtney Lohman. Courtney, welcome to the Steady On community. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to have this conversation with you. I was on Courtney's show uh, a few weeks back when we're recording this, and I'll link that episode so you can hear that in the show notes today. But it was such a delight to get to know you then, and I'm so grateful for you to come back and spend a little bit more time with me and bless uh, yes. by my community, our community with, uh, with your wisdom and your passion. Courtney's a speaker, a podcaster, a Bible teacher, and a former missionary. I got that off your website. What's, what, what's yes. that about? Tell me about that. I served two years in France with the international mission board and, um, was focused on students and then musicians, club owners, and bar owners in the area, getting to know the musicians and playing shows, uh, in those, uh, venues. So my pastor said I was clubbing for Jesus in France. But <laughs> that sounds like a really tough assignment. Actually. Oh, it was. I lived a five minute walk from the beach on the Mediterranean. Oh so goodness. it was really tough, but, uh, I w learned a lot, uh, while I was there about myself and about others. I bet. I bet. Are you a musician? Is that why I am. you were? Yes. Okay. Yes. My degrees in music education. So okay. I am a trained music instructor, spent several years in the high school doing that as a high school choir director, and then have taught uh, more recently, uh, private lessons here at my home. And so mm -hmm. did they pull you on stage sometimes when you were clubbing for Jesus? Oh, no, I, I would actually have, uh, I, I would have concerts. Oh, you were gigging. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. I was yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love that. So we had oh, met a couple it's getting of to be a tougher assignment all the time as I learn more. Well, <laughs> and then, then I had to, I ended up, uh, finding these guys that were already playing together and invited me to come play with them, which was really fun. Um, and they practiced down in one of the guys basements. So it was literally this, like, I don't know, four by two, no, three foot by two foot door that in the bathroom. So you had to go into the bathroom, close the door and then go through this door to get underneath an basement, a basement that was like clay. And that's where we practiced so oh. that the, you know, drums were quieted Sound. by the clay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was a perfect place. And, um, so I was able to play with them a couple of times. And then in France, they actually have a day, which is like the day of music and people just like come and play on the streets. And all over in Paris, I lived in Marseille, which is in the South of France. And, um, so any town in, in France on that day is going to have music happening on the streets from sun up to Sunday or well, oh. well past sundown, right. to be honest. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> to the wee hours. I would wee bet. hours for sure. Yes. So here's where my mind is going right now. Cause I'm like, this is a wonderful, there, there's a novel in this. Like the, the young girl goes to France to be a missionary 
and she meets up with these guys and she joins the band, but then she becomes this celebrity, like, you know, and she has this huge following and all that, but then the tension of, you know, what's my motive here? Am I trying to get a music career? Am I trying to get people for Jesus? This, okay. Somebody, you got to write this book. That's right. And, and ask me, I'll, I'll help you with all the research. I'm not going to write it because I'm not that great of a writer, but I will absolutely give you all of the background that you need. Somebody is taking (laughs) notes right now. That's right. (laughs) But now, now you're passionate about, well, maybe still music, but also about helping women find other women to mentor them. And that's actually what we're going to spend a little bit of time talking about today is this passion. And so I'm wondering why, why is this your passion? Like what has mentorship looked like in your spiritual walk and Mm. you know, what's it done in you that you're like, no, this is a really important thing that people need in their lives. Would you just kind of talk to us a little bit about your heart around that passion? Well, believe it or not, it's not completely disconnected from France. So (laughs) I do believe it. So keep taking notes. My, my novel writer friend. That's right. Um, you know, for me, I was a pastor's kid and so, Hey, (laughs) PKs unite. Um, And so I growing up have what I called forced discipleship. Mm -hmm. Basically there were people have a lot of opinions about the pastor, how he should live, how his marriage should be, how his kids should look. And my hope is that the church is moving away from that understanding that the pastor is really, truly like, he's just a person Mm -hmm. and he's a person with a calling on his life, just like we all have. And therefore he's going to make mistakes and he's going to need help. And he might need, um, counseling and that's an okay thing. His kids are going to make mistakes. Uh, and, and that's okay. And it doesn't, uh, disqualify them from the calling that's on their life. And so, um, I, people had opinions and my parents were very good about guarding us from the people who had the wrong opinions Mm. and allowing people who had wise, uh, wise things to say, to have that voice in our life, whether that was bringing them into our home to just be a part of our family or allowing them to be the people that would, we lived actually out of town. We didn't live near any family. And so our church family was our extended family. So when my parents needed a break, there wasn't a grandparent around for them to just watch us, you know, that night. (laughs) So our church family took on that role and they, um, would keep us for the night or whatever. Well, whenever you give your kids over to somebody, you're trusting them with your kids. And so these people spoke a lot of good truth and wisdom into my life. Um, I always thought I was going to do international missions. And, um, after I got married and after we, as a couple kind of sought this out, um, the idea of going as international uh, missionaries, my husband was like, I don't think that this is the direction that we need to go. And I, there was a moment there where I was like, Whoa, wait a minute. What did I like totally misunderstanding this calling, misunderstand this calling in my life? Or did I marry the wrong guy? Or did I, what is going on? And it took me a couple months of like praying through that and talking with God where he kind of asked me, what is it that you loved about international missions? What is it that you loved about your time in France? Um, and I realized that what I loved was the discipleship part of our job. Hmm. Our job was to meet with college kids, uh, through teaching English courses and then see if we could, um, uh, or they encouraged us to then build those relationships. And obviously as Christians, if we're living our lives the way that we should, people are going to ask questions like, why are you like this? What, uh, you should have seen the day that, um, we talked about the fact that as Christians, we believe you should save sex for marriage. That is not a part of the French culture. <laughs> and you should have seen our friend's jaw literally drop the ground, like hit the ground. Like what, like he could not process, like how, what, how do you get all the way to marriage and not have sex? I, I don't, I mean, like flabbergasted. No concept at all. Yeah. No. So right then and there, we were not trying to evangelize. We were just talking about like moral choices we've made in our life, but that was a very wide open door for talking about our faith and why we've made the choices we have. So, um, I realized discipleship was there in that situation. I was also, like I said, a high school choir teacher, and I would have these young girls come into my office and they would, they would be really honest with me about 
struggles in their life and hard conversations that they were having and ask for my opinion. And my thought was always like, I mean, I'm honored. Thank you for coming to me. But do you not have anyone else? Like we've only known each other for a year, two years. Uh, But no, they felt like I was a safe place for that. And what I began to realize is while I had forced discipleship that my parents had fostered to be quality discipleship, there are a lot of young girls out there that have no one. Yeah. They don't have anyone to go and talk to about, uh, where morality lines should be drawn, uh, when they, all they, they can know is what they've seen. But if they question that they don't have anyone to go and talk to, they don't have anyone to go and talk to about what's next in life. And what does it look like to, be a young wife or a mom, or they don't have that person that they can go and be truly brutally honest and still know that that person's going to love them. Yeah. That's part about discipleship is like flat out honesty. So when I realized that I went to our church, um, women's minister, and I said, I think, I think that maybe we should start developing some kind of discipleship ministry at our church. Um, And, um, she said, thank you for coming and talking to me when God prompted that in your heart. And I said, oh, God prompted me six months ago. And I've been hemming and hawing about it (laughs) for six months. And so don't give me too many accolades because no, I'm a slow, I'm a late bloomer, but, uh, basically, um, she said, I'm so glad that you're here because I do have many women who desire this and want this. Hmm. But often when I go to, um, a more established Christian, in our, con- uh, a woman in our, our congregation, when I say, Hey, I have this woman, would you be interested in discipling them? Their answer is, I mean, I have the time for it, but I just don't even know what I would say. Mm-hmm. And they felt ill-equipped. Mm-hmm. And so that began this desire in my life to number one, mentor younger women, but also to help women feel equipped to go out and disciple others, whether you are in your twenties, and you're hanging out in the dorm and you've got other girls around you, or if you're in your thirties and forties and you're a young mama, or if you are in your fifties and sixties, uh, an empty nester thinking, what do I do with this time? I'm telling you right now, there are like a handful of girls out there waiting to know how you raised your kids, uh, how you have, uh, your marriage is still together, you know, 30 years later, um, how it is that you have stayed faithful, um, to your relationship with Christ, uh, Mm -hmm. through the hard things in life. Mm -hmm. So really it just came out of that. God gave me that blessing and I want to help others find that blessing as well. I love that. I love that. What a beautiful story and what a beautiful heart for how the Lord has like kind of uh, pulled you along maybe on this road just a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, and I appreciate your honesty around that because sometimes it is, he's so patient with us mm-hmm. and, um, any, you know, I, I think he's so gentle and kind too, because he really lets a calling even unfold at the pace that we, yes. you know, that we can handle, because like Amen. you said, yeah. like to, you know, to, to go from, I think I'm going into international ministries to like the next day, try to go to your church and start like, that's a process of like, Oh wait, I understand the heart of the calling now. Uh-huh. And it can be, um, but I, I don't know about you. I don't get there very fast sometimes. (laughs) Well, and I have to tell you that God is faithful to fulfill the, in my opinion, the full calling on your life. So for me, what happened about a year ago is, so I have the journey of Ruth podcast where we talk about discipleship and we've been doing it for uh, two years now. And, um, right at the two year mark, I looked at our stats to see, you know, what was happening and who was listening. And, um, you know, here I am this person that's always thought I would be an international missionary and I'm here in Phoenix, Arizona with my seven-year-old, my four-year-old, I say I'm a full-time mom, part-time podcaster and speaker. And, um, and God showed me this beautiful picture, almost brought me to tears, but I I pulled up the stats and it shows like a globe of the, of Mm. the, the world. And it showed that the podcast has been played on every inhabited continent in the world. And he just said to me, 
Look at how you're in international missions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm like, God, won't you do it? Like, you know, won't you fulfill that call that that you put on my life? It didn't look like what I thought was going to happen. Gosh, it never does. It never does. It never does. Mm -hmm. It's not the calling we misunderstand. It's the it's the expectations we have about how that calling is going to manifest that we. Yeah. Yeah. So often I think that's true. Mm -hmm. Well, I love your process. I I love processes because I love practical things that will take us from one step to the next. Right. And so, yeah, I, you know, I'm a process girl. My listeners know that. Mm-hmm. And so you have created kind of a, a process to help mm-hmm. people find actually like, right. Like what am I looking yeah. for in a spiritual mentor, which I think is so brilliant because I love it that you equip women who have the time and interest in discipling, but how do we, if this is something we don't have in our life and we want it in our life, what are the steps that we can take to find it? So would you just kind of start us off and take us through how you encourage people when they're on this journey? Yeah. I had so many people that were unsure about how to find someone to disciple them. Like, I don't even know where I'd be able to, where I'd start or, um, and so I, it can feel like a big ask. Yeah. You know, like, well, who would want to spend that kind of time with me and invest in me? Yes. Yes. Please go. And what if they say no? Yes. I just can't. Like, what do it. I do with the no? Yeah, I can't right. take that. Yeah, exactly. Right. That yeah. feels like ultimate it's rejection so personal. To me. Like don't say it's yes. not personal because it's the ultimate personal. Like I want to know really if you would is. like look in my life, you know? Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's because you are literally inviting someone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I created the play process um, and it's an acronym P L A A. Yeah. I know that's not how you spell it. Couldn't think of a Y I tried <laughs> all the, all the thesauruses, all of the things it, no, not enough Y words, but, um, so the play process, P L A A, the P stands for pray. And so I think a lot of times we know what we want and we're just going to jump in both feet, but I think there needs to be a pause right there at the beginning and we need to pray. And so, um, you know, we also need to look at what does, what does a discipleship relationship look like? Um, I actually have a, uh, if you're thinking, oh my gosh, I need to write all of this down. I actually have a free download that you can get on my website. And Um, I have the link right here and I will put it in the show notes. Yes. So it will be there for you. Yes. Perfect. I'm glad you said that. On there are, I highlight, uh, several discipleship relationships that we see within the Bible. You know, we see Ruth and Naomi and their relationship. We see Samuel and Eli. I love that one because, um, that's actually very imperfect person pointing another person to God who God will eventually use to say, Hey, I'm going to kill you and your sons. Mm -hmm. (laughs) No, like it's a tough part of that story. Yeah. It is a tough mm-hmm. part of that yeah. story, mm-hmm. but it also shows that like, even though, uh, Eli wasn't making the right choices, God still used him. Right. So it, it shows that even when our heart is, we don't have to be perfect to be a discipler. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh, pray. It, it also gives you some questions to kind of like pray through what is it that I'm looking for? What areas of my life would I really be looking for instruction in? Is it, I need, I need help with my marriage. Is it, I just need help connecting with God more Um, because that's going to change. You're not going to ask a person, a woman who is very wise uh, and advanced in her relationship with God, but is single. If what you're looking for is someone to help you and mentor you in your marriage, you're not going to ask her, right? But you are going to ask her what it means to have a beautiful prayer life. If that's what she, if that's what you're looking for. So you're going to kind of pray through some of those expectations that you have. And also looking at biblical examples of discipleship. Of course you have the ultimate Jesus and his disciples. That's a good one, Uh, (laughs) you know, um, that we see in scripture to help us know where to set our expectations, but still also a very imperfect at times relationship, not in Jesus, but like, it's an imperfect relationship, which actually I think can be encouraging and have us have realistic expectations. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. When we look at the great, Mm -hmm. uh, the great commission in Matthew, you know, here he is talking to his guys. He's about to head up to heaven and, um, and he, these guys have watched his ministry. They have seen him crucified. They have seen him raised from the dead. They have talked to him for 40 days. And now he's like, all right, time to go to heaven. Right. So meet me on this mountain in Galilee. So they go. And we know that these men are like untrained. Uh, they're not unskilled because they all, you know, have these different jobs, but they're untrained. They're uneducated. Uh, they're kind of normal. And, um, so they go and meet him and here he is talking to them 
And my favorite verse comes right before he goes and says, go make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the father and the son and the Holy spirit. So go and make disciples. It says that some of them doubted. I'm like, really y'all like you just spent all this time with him. You're looking at him and you still doubt. He just raised from the dead. And I'm like, okay, so Jesus is, and you know, Jesus knew that they were doubting, you know, because Jesus knows our thoughts. He knows our everything. And you know, that even though he knew they were doubting, he looked at him and he said, go and make disciples. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that leaves me with no excuse. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it reminds me as you're talking, it reminds me how we need consistency in relationships that continue to point us back to Jesus and remind Mm -hmm. us of what we know, because I think part of the reason that they doubted was like, well, you raised yesterday metaphorically, you know, that, that was yesterday. You did that yesterday today. I'm facing this and I don't know. Are you Mm going to raise Mm -hmm. again, if you will, you know, metaphorically, because this is a, this is a different day. And so now I have a new struggle and we've never been exactly here, you know? And so culturally there were lots of stories that were being made up. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So now they've got these like other, like, well, that's not the Jesus, you knew this is blah, blah, blah. And, and no, 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 he was never actually dead. He, you know, so culturally I'm like, oh, Talk about social media whispering lies to us, you know, yeah. like they didn't have, even have social media, but they had these other voices around them that were kind of feeding this doubt. Yeah. And so, but, but even so God still gave them that command. Yeah. And so we all, it, it's a command. Inherited. Right. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's not a suggestion. Mm-hmm. It's not a, you know, a good idea going and making disciples is a command that Jesus yeah. gave to mm-hmm. all of his followers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's not yeah. wrong at all. It's absolutely right to, Mm -hmm. to seek someone and to have a relationship with someone who has gone and done and made longer than we have. Right. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 So what's the L then? So the L is for look. And, um, there's a beautiful song by Brandon Heath called give me your eyes. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, he wrote it at a, an airport. And he said he was just sitting there watching all of these people go back and forth from all different walks of life. And he thought, God, give me your eyes to see these people in their joy, in their pain, in their sorrow, um, in their, you know, fear, give me your eyes. And so, um, I love that idea of giving, having God give you his eyes of who around you could possibly be a mentor for you, be a discipler for you. Um, and I, I do want to say that that's, you're going to hear me use the word mentor discipler back and forth. Um, really it's because that's a mentor is something that we understand better than discipler in most, most contexts. Um, there is a difference in my opinion. Mentor is someone who is teaching you to do something like they do or teaching you to do a skill. Um, that you can then go and do on your own discipler. The whole point is we are, uh, helping people to become disciples of Jesus, not of us. You know, there are disciples. You can be a disciple of, um, somebody, another priest or another, a person in another language, or I'm sorry, another religion in which you're trying to become more like them. But in the Christian faith, we, when we talk about discipleship, it is, I am helping somebody to become more like Christ. Mm -hmm. And if they're becoming more like Courtney than I'm doing it wrong. So I am not, but I do use the word mentor because discipleship, I don't know, it's scary or it's too churchy of a word. Sometimes it's more intimidating. Maybe. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. Somehow. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, So I use it. I think, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I use the words mentor discipleship back and forth. People are like, she keeps switching words, (laughs) Um, (laughs) but the, um, so when we're looking, it's like, okay, who do I want to disciple me? Lord, please give me your eyes to see people because sometimes it's not the person we think it's going to be. Sometimes the, the person that we need right then and there is someone who we haven't even noticed yet. And I ask, I I ask people here, look in your spheres of influence where you already are, because most likely there's someone who's already around you who can mentor you. If there's really not, if there's really not, then there's a further challenge of go and get yourself in some circles where somebody can disciple you. Um, if you're thinking like everyone around me is, you know, I remember being in a place in college, everyone around me is like pursuing, you know, worldly things. And it's just about living for the next party or the next fun. It's not about something deeper. 
right? Okay. Where are you going to go and find people that are looking for something deeper? Um, so look around and make a list, uh, because you've prayed about it. Now you're asking God and you're, you're naming multiple people, not just one, like multiple people. So once we've prayed and we've looked, um, then we can actually go to the next step, which is, uh, ask. And a lot of people think, and the, the last step is act. A lot of people want to jump to the act part. So they've made this list and they go to the person at the top of the list and say, can you disciple me? And they scare them away. And <laughs> or, or any myriad of things. But I always say that the first thing we need to do is ask, ask that person to go to coffee with you. Ask that person to come to your house for dinner and get to know that person a little bit more. Um, I remember the first time I wanted somebody as an adult to disciple me, I went to her and I met with her and I was convinced that like, we were going to have this great discipleship relationship. And what I learned was she was just too busy. Hmm. She had a lot of stuff on her plate. She is now one of my disciplers for sure. But, um, it took several years to develop that relationship. Um, and I, it wasn't like, I was like, I'm going to, you know, stay in your sphere of influence because no, it, she was at my church. Right. So we were together in a lot of areas. Um, and, but my first meeting with her, I walked away going, Oh, huh. It was, I didn't ask her to disciple me. I just asked to meet with her and have coffee, but it was very obvious that, that she didn't have the time at that point in time for what I really was hoping we could have. And how did that feel then? You said she's a discipler now. How did that feel then? Like when you had the coffee and you're like, this isn't the right fit right now. I was confused. Okay. Yeah. I was like, okay, that's interesting. Um, and maybe there was a little bit, I felt a little, no, it was just a, uh, I had my expectations. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. So it was expectations that went unfulfilled. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Had not, like she didn't know that was my expectation when mm -hmm. I was going in. Um, and had I asked, I never flat out asked her either. So I will say that. Um, just as we were talking about ministry and her position at the church, it became obvious that she had a lot. Mm -hmm. So then I have two choices. I can like flat out ask her, hey, I kind of came in hoping you would disciple me. In which case she could say yes, or she could say, I just don't know that I have the time, mm -hmm. but maybe it was the Holy spirit. Maybe it was my own fear mm -hmm. <laughs> that, uh, you know, fear of rejection. I was right. like, I think she's too busy. Mm -hmm. Now I do say that you can say that about anyone. So don't say that for everybody. He's too, she's too busy. She's too busy. Mm -hmm. She's too busy. Mm -hmm. Um, because everyone's too busy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, but at least give them the chance because maybe they want that, that ability to pour into your life. Um, and you, they just need to be given the chance Yes, mm -hmm. and they yeah. can make that space and they would love to make that space in their life. Uh, there's not right now because they weren't asked yet. Right. So, yeah. So as far as like the next step, it really is about getting to know that person. And, um, you may already know that for this person that you're going to ask, it may be somebody, you know, really, really well. Mm -hmm. So this part is kind of like, uh, you can, you can adjust it as you need to. Yeah. You already really know them. Don't be like, well, now I have to take them out to coffee, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, right. but if you only kind of know them, let me ask some, you on a real date now. Yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Let's make this Facebook official. Yeah. Or right. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. No, but you know, like if you feel like you still need to get to know that person, mm -hmm. take, you know, have coffee with them or spend a little more time before you ask them to make that commitment. I'm going to pause you right here for a second. Cause as I listen to you talk, I understand better. I feel like I'm understanding better why so many of us don't have this in our life mm. because this is a process that takes mm -hmm. patience. Mm -hmm. And there's a, quite a bit of risk in it mm -hmm. because I think even if you would have asked her straight out, I don't know her, I'm just creating this scenario, right? Like, I mean, if you would have asked her straight out, she might've come back to you with, I've never done that before. Mm -hmm. What does that look like to you? I don't know that she would have, but somebody might, you know, they might not feel equipped. And yeah. like you said earlier, you might scare them off. It might not be because they don't want to, but their initial reaction may be to protect themselves. Right. And not be like open themselves yeah. up to this. And, um, and so it's, it's, this is, this is tricky, I think. So the thing I want to, I guess, just 
add to your encouragement, because I think this is so encouraging is that give yourself some grace and space. That's right. Uh, this is worth it. You're worth this. You're worth yes. the time it takes to get, to find the right person. Yeah. And they're worth the time it takes because you want someone that, um, that imperfectly does this with the right heart. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean like that, you know, yeah. that comes. Yeah. So, and just because they've never done it before, doesn't mean they're not the right person for you. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. right. And mm-hmm. I think that there, we say these things to ourselves. Um, our first response sometimes is like, oh, I can't. Yeah. There's no way I can fit that. It's in my self-protecting schedule. guard up. Yeah. That's what it is. <laughs> yeah. Yes. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Or there's, there's gotta be somebody else. You can ask somebody else. Yeah. And, and what, what I hear God saying is yes, there is somebody else. There's always somebody else, Yes, but you may be the best person. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. They can find somebody else to disciple them, but you without knowing it may be the person to speak directly into something in their life that only you can share because you have that life experience and, or God is about to take them into a place where you have been in something very similar. And you're going to get to walk alongside them as they go through that, encouraging them because you've seen the other side. And sometimes we think that because we've gone through these struggles, that it disqualifies us when really what we see in second Corinthians is that God's or that Paul says, you know, because I'm weak, I am strong. And that's all second Corinthians is about is Paul defending himself. People saying, man, Paul, you've been through too many things. You know, you've been through too much and there's no way you can be effective because of all the things you've been through. And I'm like, oh, I'm sure that is a lie that Satan has used in so many of our lives. You can't be effective. But then Paul's like, no, actually, those things that you think disqualify me are what make me qualified because it's in my weakness that God can show his strength. And so one of the beautiful things is when we say that, yes, that I am willing to disciple somebody. Um, when we step out in faith, first of all, you will grow in your relationship with Christ. There's nothing. Uh, it is scary. The first girl that I ever meant or discipled, I was pretty sure I was going to mess her up. <laughs> and is I she okay wonder- today? Oh, she's great. <laughs> and, uh, and I have a wonderful dad who was like, Courtney, you don't have that power. Yeah. And Amen. I was like, mm-hmm. thanks yeah. dad. Thanks. No, for it's so, but that's so good to remember. Yeah. yeah like God will watch over this relationship as that's right. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. God will have grace with me and anything that I say that's wrong. And, and anytime that she said, well, what about this? And I didn't know the answer. Guess what? Both of us were doing for the next week. We were both looking in scripture, looking in books, looking on the internet to figure out what the answer to that question was. And then we would be able to come back together and say, well, what'd you figure out? Well, I figured out this and you figured out this. And, and we got a more whole picture because the way that she looked at it was different than the way I did. And so discipleship, part of the reason why it's so scary is because people think of it as a teacher student relationship. Yes. And that's just not what it is. Yeah. I mean, yes, that's what we see in the Jesus and his disciples. Mm -hmm. There's no, there's no one that's going to be discipling Jesus. No, no, that's not the imperfect part of that relationship. No, no. (laughs) And it's not like, you know, we're like, Oh, you know, Jesus, you're trying to become more like yourself. No, there's with the, you know, discipleship, we're looking at Ruth and Naomi. Naomi's trying to figure out her own grief. She's trying to figure out how to, how to love this God that just took her husband and her two sons. And then Ruth's like, yeah, I'm coming too. And she's like, really? Like go home. And Ruth's like, no, I'm coming. And then Naomi is able to allow her to see Boaz for what he was, help her understand who Boaz was to her. Um, and, and she's able, even in her grief to help Ruth see what's next. And, and so she's coming from a completely broken place. Ruth almost in her innocence. Like I want, I want to love your God is kind of saying to Naomi, I'm watching what you do. I'm watching how you react with your God. And, and I want to learn the same thing. And Naomi's like, Oh man, you're watching what I do. Are you sure? (laughs) And I would almost suggest not almost, I would suggest too, that the enthusiasm in that story, in that part of the story where the younger Ruth has for the God is Mm -hmm. something that helps the older woman heal and reconnect to a God to which perhaps she was 
disgruntled and bitter, yeah. right? She mm-hmm. says that yeah. to herself, you know, that, and she so, changes her name. Exactly. She's so bitter. Right. Yeah. And so I think there, there's something to be said from, uh, to seek this out. You're doing this for you. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's a, mm-hmm. because you need this mentoring. Yes. Um, but you may be the breath of fresh air that this other person's faith walk right. um, is waiting for as well, you That's know, right. or just, or it needs, but doesn't know she needs, you know, yeah, um, yeah. that, that enthusiasm might l- light a fire in the other life, uh, right. in a way that only you can do, you know? So, and so going back to the play process, when we have asked that person to, to kind of come into our life on a very surface level way. The next thing that happens is act. Yes. And that is the scary part, right? It's scary because we, like you have said, we are kind of, we're not submitting to that person, but in a way we're letting them into our life, um, right there by saying, will you disciple me? Like right there, we're setting ourselves up for rejection. So I think if, if rejection is something that you struggle with, I think we all do in some capacity, but then there's other times where it feels even more like if we're, if we're experiencing a lot of rejection in life at that time. Um, like Lord protect my heart. I know that if this is supposed to happen, you will, you will make this happen. But, um, understanding that the answer could be yes. And the answer could be no. Um, if it's yes, great. Now you get to sit down and you guys get to talk about what are your goals as you meet together? How often are you going to meet together? Where are you going to meet together? What are you going to do? Is it just like a, I want to sit down and and talk about life? Or is it like, I'd really like to do an inductive study through second Timothy. Like what, what is it that you're, you're looking for? Um, sometimes by the way, it's really kind and generous when you ask somebody, and this is on there as well, ask them, explain what your expectations are. You know, those because you put them down in the prayer section. So you're coming already with the idea of what you'd like to see, um, what your expectations are and will they mentor you? Give them the time to pray. Um, our first response when we're asked to disciple might be, I can't, but when someone says, but before you give me an answer, I'd like you to take the time to pray. Mm. First of all, it takes the pressure off. Yeah. I don't need an answer right now. I don't need an answer right now. (sighs) Okay. Uh, how long, you know, are you, well, I'm kind of hoping to like, you know, hear back in a couple of weeks. Okay, cool. Now I have time to think about it. I have time to go home and discuss it with my spouse. If that needs to happen, I have time to pray it through and talk with God about it. Um, and when that person comes back to you, they're going to be a lot more certain of their answer, whether it's yes or no. If the answer is yes, you know, they're committed because they took the time. They didn't answer and say yes, because they felt bad saying no. That yes is coming with a lot of support and a lot of research. And so you can be guaranteed that that's a really good, strong yes. So you, you go through, you ask, then you act. And if the answer is no, after they've taken that time to pray, it's not the end of the line Mm -hmm. because when we go back up to that look section, remember we made a list of names, not just one go to another person in the list. The beautiful thing is it's not done. You had already had four women in your mind that you thought would be great. And so you say, okay, you know what? I thought it was her, but I guess God had a different plan in mind. And for me, the person I thought was going to disciple me, who is a discipler in my life now, um, pointed me to another ministry. And there I met another person who would, um, become like a good, uh, person in my life. And then, um, she also partnered me, partnered me with another woman at our church. And that woman has become a really strong voice in my life as well. And so sometimes it's not even that God's like, this is your person. It's like, they're going to teach you something about yourself so that you're even more of a complete person when you find that person that's going to disciple you. Um, so yes, there's a lot of, of hard in discipleship. It's hard to even decide that you want to start that because if you think about discipleship and the the root word, it's so close to discipline. Mm -hmm. And so you're asking someone to come into your life. Mm -hmm. Discipleship can't happen unless you're honest with that person. And which means when you make a dumb choice, 
if you've got someone that is discipling you, they're going to go, let's talk about that. You know, when I was dating these wonderful men and women in my life would be like, I met him. Let's talk about him. Is this a good choice? Yeah. I'm like, yeah, he's really cute. Okay. He's so handsome. He's cute. That's great. What <laughs> else about him is great? Uh, <laughs> you I haven't know? thought about it longer than that. I know, no. I know, I know. No. And at that time I was like, you know, 19 and, and mm-hmm. who knows? Yeah. And so, but having those people that are going to help you that are going to be honest with you, yeah. that are going to help you through the hard times when you go to them and say, I have something to tell you. And I don't think you're going to want to be my friend after mm-hmm. I tell you this. And they tell you and they don't respond mm-hmm. negatively. Mm-hmm. They might not even, and, and they don't re- respond with a, oh, what? Yeah. But instead they go, wow, mm-hmm. I bet that's been really hard for you to deal with on your own. Mm-hmm. How can, you know, let's talk about your process. How are you working through that? Yeah. And they're with you every step. That is discipleship. That is true Christian community. And that is why discipleship is so important because we all need that person that we can be that honest with, mm-hmm. but we don't all have it. Right. Right. And, yeah. and so then we just hold that inside. Yeah. And that's not healthy either. Right. And yeah. so often that discipler, if you've established that relationship will come back at you with a, let me tell you a story from my past, <laughs> Yes, <laughs> you know, and then you're yes. like, okay, not to just, it's not, it doesn't, it doesn't mean it's okay. Whatever has happened. She's not going to say it was okay when she did it, whatever. Right. I mean, uh, you know, but I've done that, um, on both sides of that more times. And I'm always just like, uh, sort of shocked at the, okay, we, ha- we share more space than even I knew, you know? Um, yes. Because yeah. Satan wants us to mm-hmm. feel alone, alone. Because as long as we feel alone, we are caught, we are stuck. Mm -hmm. But as soon as we can like, even like just poke a hole through that, like uh, cocoon that we've placed around us and let someone begin to shine light, the the light of God, you know, hopefully into your life, we begin to remove and to experience freedom um, one step at a time. So it is hard to like open yourself up for discipleship. And it is also hard to commit to discipling somebody else, Mm -hmm. but there is, there is a fulfillment. And my husband and I have experienced this, uh, with many of the young people that we have discipled, uh, in our home and at church there, when someone comes to you and says, you are the parent figure that I never had in my life. Like there is nothing that humbles you more, brings tears to your eyes. It's in a Christmas card. It's Christmas day. And I'm like tears in my eyes, you know, and, but there is, is nothing that humbles you more than that because you know, that the Lord is using you, um, to have an impact in that person's life. And all you have to do is be willing and be open and, and God will use you. I love that. I, I want to just remind you friend that, um, Courtney has created not just this process, but a beautiful download that is, um, that takes you through this process. And I'm going to link that in today's show notes so that you can mm-hmm. download it, see it, yeah. share it. Um, and, uh, and that's awesome. Hey, I want to ask you, uh, as you, as you work in this area of mentorship and discipleship, is there a particular verse? I know the story of Ruth is very important to you. Is there a particular verse or passage that is just something that continues to say, oh yeah, this is like stirs that passion in me again and again. Do you have a favorite one you'll point us to? Yeah. Um, well, I want to encourage those of you that are thinking about discipling to go and read Titus chapter two, okay. because it tells um, older women what they should teach younger women. And it doesn't mention theology. It doesn't mention, uh, Bible study skills. It mentions very normal things like how to honor your husband and how to be a good mom and how to take care of your home. These are the things that God wants older women to teach younger women. So first of all, there's that in Titus two. Um, but second Timothy chapter two, verse two, um, is I think the beautiful picture of what discipleship should be. Um, So uh, 
Paul is talking to Timothy and he says, the things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Mm. So discipleship is this re should be this reproducible uh, action. And that's why discipleship is not about, Hey, you have to go get a seminary degree and then you need to be able to, um, you know, there's all these fancy church words. It's not about that. It's about walking alongside one another and helping each other become more like Jesus living life with each other. Um, sure. That means opening up scripture. Sure. That means praying with one another. That means holding each other accountable. That's what it means. Cause that's what scripture asks us to do. But then that person that you're discipling, there's an encouragement there that, that, Hey, you know, we've been, we've been doing this together for a while and I don't want to stop, but I'm going to encourage you to start praying that God would give you someone to disciple. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to ask them, then they get to ask their person to go and disciple. And after a while, if you think about like a family tree, like I'm excited one day to think I would love one day if everyone that I discipled could tell me everyone that they discipled Mm -hmm. and then tell everyone that they discipled and to see the tree. In my opinion, discipleship is the most effective way that we can reach people for the kingdom of God because it is exponential in its effect. I cannot go and reach 500 people maybe in my life. I can't disciple that many people, but exponentially through what we see here in second Timothy of discipling someone and then discipling, you know, me discipling two people and they go out and disciple two and they go out and disciple two exponentially. We have had an impact on, on the kingdom of God that way. Amen. Especially in a world right now that it's, it's so much about numbers, right? It's yeah. numbers. Um, so many things are measurable with the, the online world that we live in. And I think sometimes we forget to pull back and say, actually investing in one is how mm-hmm. oh, makes me emotional is how yeah. we change the world. That's yeah. how. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Courtney, this has been so fantastic and encouraging. I'm so grateful to you. Uh, before I let you go, I'm going to ask you the question I ask all my guests. And that is, will you give us a little peek into your life right now and tell us what are you studying, listening to watching, reading, anything goes something that's keeping you connected to God right now, bringing you joy, peace, anything. Yeah. Um, so I am, I know your, your audience knows the Enneagram. I yes. Believe. <laughs> yes. They hear me talk about it from time to time right. and all the time. Yes. All the time. So I am, I was telling you before we started, <laughs> excuse me, I'm an Enneagram two or three. Um, we've got to I, get that nailed down. For I you. know, I know. <laughs> I feel like sometimes I, I love people and I want to see people served, but then how am I going to do it? I'm gonna do it by achieving things. Yeah. Uh, a lot of things. And, um, and so because I am always achieving things and there's so much to do with my business and with my house and whatever, um, my, I've created a new rhythm uh, at night and I'm not great at doing it, but <laughs> I'm trying at least maybe half the week. Uh, I get in bed. My husband goes to bed much earlier than I do. So I get in bed and I have a, a cup of hot tea and, um, I drink my tea and I read a book. It's not nonfiction. It has to be a biography because I love biographies. Me I'm too. A big, yeah. I'm a love big history them. buff. Um, so it's nothing for work. I mean, and as a podcaster, I read a lot of books for people that are coming on the podcast. It's none of those <laughs> love you guys. It's none of those. That's not what uh, I do before I go to sleep <laughs> because my brain starts going, Oh, I need to ask this question or we oh. could talk about, I also don't do Instagram because Um, I'm constantly looking at reels on which reels can I create and what's, what should I be sharing and quotes? So once again, work brain, no, um, biography or a fictional book. And I read until my brain's kind of done. And then I go to bed and I don't watch like Netflix or anything while I'm going to sleep. It has helped me sleep a little more soundly. It has helped my brain to shut off so that it's not um, continuing to go while I'm laying there. Um, and I'm having fun reading. I love reading books and I just never have time to read for fun. Mm -hmm. Now I have time to read for fun. So this is what I'm reading. Minding the manor by Molly Moran. That's a lot of M's. 
It is. It is. I think she did it on purpose. She was a <laughs> KitchenAid in a 1930s English manner. So it is basically Downton Abbey. That's what it is. And I, I love Downton Abbey. Yeah. So I'm reading it's, but it's her actual memoir of being a kitchen maid in the time of Downton Abbey talking about like how they would get out to see the boys and how they would get away from their uh, work and how they found joy in like the rigor of like scrubbing the stairs out front the house every morning. I'm like, seriously, <laughs> I don't scrub my front walk ever, ever. ever. And she ever. had to do it every morning before the rest of the world got up because oh they didn't want God. anyone to see the filth from the dirt on the stairs. Hmm. I'm like, boy, that was another world. And she has, um, at the beginning of every, every chapter, she has a recipe from that time. And I love cooking. So like, I'm looking at some of them going, and my husband's a hunter. So we do a lot of game. So like, it's like, actually, I'm like, oh, that's actually, a, it's hard to find. So you're kind of feeling sometimes. like you're in the story now, except, totally. except for the scrubbing the entryway or whatever. Yeah. yeah, except, yeah. For that. <laughs> yeah except for that. That's no, that's not going to no, happen. No. <laughs> Not gonna happen. But yeah, I so love I love it. what I'm getting to read and getting to check some books off my list that have kind of been sitting there for the last few years. So I love yeah. it. Thank you again for spending yes. this time with us. I really appreciate your encouragement. And friend, thank you so much for listening today. Um, until next time. Peace. Today's conversation with Courtney lit a bit of a fire in me, actually, and I'm still pondering it. I feel God inviting me to take a closer look at the discipling I'm already giving and receiving and become more intentional about both. I appreciate Courtney's teaching around this so much, and I encourage you to connect with her and learn more, download her resources, check out her podcast. She is a passionate follower of Jesus, and I highly recommend listening to the content she is creating our episode together on her show, along with all the places to find and follow her are linked in today's show notes. Second Timothy 2.2 again, this time from the voice translation. Whatever you heard me teach before an audience of witnesses, I want you to pass along to trustworthy people who have the ability to teach others too. Next week, I will welcome Cecile Valoria to the show. She and I are going to be tackling the idea of fear and how we can move from a place of debilitating fear and terror and dread about a circumstance to a place of peace and rest and praise. Do you receive my weekly newsletters? They include little stories from my life, study resources on the verse we use for today's episode, links to other freebies and tools. I would love to connect with you via email every Friday in the weekly newsletter. And the link to do that, to sign up for that, is in today's show notes. Thank you so much for listening today. I pray wherever your day takes you, you are walking in the confident knowledge that you are a beloved, cherished child of God. Peace.